Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? so excited for my conversation today. I sat down with a new friend, Christine Karen, whom I met last year in a class for entrepreneurs. Christine's a fellow writer and the founder of Good Jelly, where she teaches writers how to project manage their writing. Yep, project manage their writing. So my mind was kind of blown when I heard this because I won't speak for all creatives, but I do know a few other creative folks who, like me, feel like they're pretty terrible at project managing anything, never mind our writing. So I was like, okay, I have to get to know this woman. And she is awesome. So Christine's mission at Good Jelly is to help writers take charge of their writing adventure using smart process, grounded power, and inner kindness. And her vision is a world where every writer delights in their creative process. Can I just say that again? A world where every writer delights in their creative process. Again, mind blown, because I've been writing for a long time, and for probably 99.9% of that time, I've also tried to adopt every other successful writer's process that I heard about because I thought I was doing it wrong, I'd be more successful if, I need to follow this exact blueprint to get anywhere, and all those other limiting beliefs that really, truly get us nowhere. So I've been on a mission to embrace my own writing process, which admittedly is kind of weird and getting to know Christine has helped me immensely. So here's a little bit about her process improvement. Maven Christine Karen has helped individuals and teams function more effectively for over 25 years. Her clients call her the wolf meets Mary Poppins due to the rigor focus and fun she brings to whatever she does. In 2018, Christine blended her love of writing with her expertise in personal and interpersonal productivity to launch the critique MD blog which focused on writers finding more joy and equilibrium in the critique process. 
In 2020, the blog's mission expanded to help writers unleash their awesome, no matter the context, and that is how Good Jelly came to be. Like the writers she and her team serve, Christine is actively on the writing adventure. She's a children's book writer and is represented by Amy Joan Paquette of the Erin Murphy Literary Agency. I think you're all going to love this episode, so let's get into it. Welcome, Christine. I'm so happy to have you here, and this conversation has been a long time coming, so it's great that we're finally sitting down to do it. I'm happy to be here, too. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So before I jump into all of my questions, maybe you can just tell the listeners what Good Jelly is and what you do. So Good Jelly helps writers get their writing done. And how I help writers, not through uh, teaching them craft, not through helping them ideate about their novels or their essays or their nonfiction books, but really looking at it from a process management and project management perspective, a mindset perspective. So how do you get the writing done? Not from the sense of the actual art of writing, but just more of this is something you want to achieve as a, almost like a business. And so to break down your work and make it easier to get done. I love that. And when I met you, I was immediately fascinated by this because as a writer who is not a process expert, I was just, my mind was blown as to how you could actually combine the two because you're also a writer. Um, that blend is definitely pretty hard to come by. So why did you create Good Jelly and how do you combine these these two superpowers? Because really that's what they are. Well, well, thank you. And it it started because on my own journey as a writer, plus having the background that I do as a process improvement consultant, as a project manager, I would go to writing conferences and I would sometimes hear conversations during breaks and hear writers really struggling with something that from my perspective was so easy to fix. But it wasn't going to be solved by sitting in another craft class or reading another craft book. And I just, I just had this thought of one of those conferences is, wow, the writing adventure doesn't have to be so hard. And I, I think that a lot of writers, because it's creative, but ironically, it's called the creative process, but that we, that there's some fear that too much process we're not really clear on how much is too much or what the process is exactly, but that it will somehow cramp your creativity, stifle it, choke it. And I think that kind of uh, perception of process keeps writers from making things easier. Totally. I can believe that because I, you know, I'm, I'm known to say multiple times a day, I am not a process person. Um, and there's, there's so many debates that, I mean, I just heard a, a story recently about um, a writer who heard another writer say at a conference that anyone who plots their books are taking the spontaneity and, and therefore the magic out of them. And it really annoyed the people who plot. And so this is just an ongoing debate for, for writers. Well, yeah. And I think for me, and this even happened for me in the corporate world, because trust me, there are those same kind of debates on types of project management, types of process. And my approach, which is somewhat different for a process consultant in the corporate world or as a writer, that to me is not a useful 
debate because it's just going to keep uh, digging people into a position. What you, every, every writer is a process expert. You are a process expert in the process of Liz as a writer. And I think writers are not given permission and the space to explore what their true process is. They keep getting all this noise. If you're doing this, you're losing the spontaneity. And then new writers are like, I've got to be spontaneous. And maybe they're a type of writer who would really be served, that their process would be, their spontaneity would be served by a little more structure. And of course, there are probably some writers who are more structure oriented, who maybe would benefit from easing up a little. But when all the discussion is about which one is right, it's hard for an individual writer to really navigate with confidence to find and craft their own process that supports their creative journey. No, I, I love it. And you're, you're right. We're always comparing ourselves, right? And I, I do it every time I sit down to write a book. I'm thinking, okay, so so-and-so would plot out every single scene. And I'm really going to try to do that, even though it doesn't really fit what I, you know, how I work. And and that means I'm wrong because it's, you know, less uh, structured for me. And then it gets hard at the end. And, you know, I, it's all these things that you're always hearing. And then you're hearing rules from, you know, everybody's got rules about writing. And I love to, you know, yeah. it's easier for me to tell new writers like, hey, there's no rules. Don't worry about it. But when it comes to myself, it's a different story. I'm always beating myself up. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because the, the many of the writers I work with are successful writers but are still have this kind of in, inner turmoil that f for, goes back to this, it, it, sh it should not be so fraught. And I am careful using the word should, so I, I want to change that to say it doesn't have to be so fraught. And that's why with both flexible process and a process that allows you to, to have more confidence in the process that is working for you right now. And just as you evolve as an artist and a writer, so does your process evolve. And so if right now, what is allowing you to get your writing done is to not structure or map everything out, then great. And you can also hold another, um, uh, another possibility at the same time that you can still explore as an experiment to be curious. Let, let me try a different way to add a little structure or structure light or, you know, there, it, there's a playfulness to it that starts with really standing firm in what works for me first. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Cause to me, playful and process don't actually go together. Like they never went together in my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, this is why my company is not called Process for Writers. It's called Good Jelly. It's like, woohoo, we can have fun with this. And I, yeah, the, the best process, and, and this is the same, the same phrasing that I used in the corporate world because even technologists, who are highly creative beings, even QA people, even business analysts are all highly creative people, just like writers and all feel like, oh, this process improvement consultant is going to come in and shut us down, shut down our, how we want to work. And 
it's like if if your process is not unleashing your creativity, creating more productivity, and creating more joy and fun in whatever you're doing, it's the wrong process. Period. Yeah. <laughs> my process improvement consultant position. (laughs) All right. So I love this. So the writing adventure doesn't have to be so hard. So talk to me about the framework that you, that you teach and how to get people to come around to this idea. Yeah. At the highest level, I have what I call the, a strategic blueprint, the way of good jelly and the, you know, the fun, good jelly language is land your jam. That's all about process. So good jelly, you want to jam as a writer, own your oomph, which is all about power and kind your mind, which is all about perspective. And when those three things are working together, so process is a set of practices. So every writer has a different set of practices to get themselves to the desk, to get themselves to the page, how they revise. And if those practices are aligned with how you like to work, that's power. And you have a perspective about your journey that's supportive and kind because studies show that kindness and uh, being positive about uh, your progress and claiming progress, that all uh, supports motivation and productivity. When those three pieces of the puzzle are aligned, then you are in your process excellence. And that's what I'm trying to get writers to. Not how I think you, Liz, should write, but how you know Liz should write. And let's just clear all the stuff, the noise, the static that is getting in the way of you being in that space. So what if you don't love your process that you currently have because it's kind of a process by default, right? And I know I'm, I'm speaking kind of for myself, but kind of for, for a lot of other writers who I know struggle with the same thing. So if you kind of have the way you, you, you end up working and it's not actually working because you find yourself, you know, a week before your deadline cursing <laughs> yourself every day and, you know, <laughs> you know, um, how do you, how do you figure out what your, process should look like? Like what's the, walk me through those steps. Well, I think one, first off, I was, I was talking to another group of writers and I called those snarls or pickles, but to me, what a wonderful place to be that you've given yourself permission to say, Hey, this isn't working. And then if you can quiet the mind of the inner critic or the supposed to, or I should be doing what XYZ famous writer is doing and say, okay, let me get curious about this and what isn't working. And then, you know, if, if you're doing it on your own, do exploration, try new things. Think of how you learned how to write the first time. Just be straight with what isn't working for you. And then, you know, Check with other writers and and be firm with yourself that you're doing experimentation. And when something feels good and you're like, ah, this will work for me, then do it. And feel free to pick and choose. You want to stay in charge of your process. So if someone has a big, long process that you have to do, step one, step one, A, step one, A dot A dot A, step one, A dot A dot A dot A dot A, and you're like, well, really, 
1.A works for me and 2.DDDDD and 5C, ditch the rest and start creating that process. And I think, but I think it starts with being straight with yourself and being kind with yourself at the same time and then getting curious. And if you learned how to write, if you learned how to create story, and even if you're starting on that journey of learning, then be checking in all the time. Is this working for me? Is it moving me forward in a way that is enjoyable and I'm making the progress that I want to make? Yeah. And I think people, you know, I, I'm, I'll speak for myself. I, you know, you, you, you kind of know something isn't maybe working, but do you think it's true that people who don't have a lot of process experience, um, just get, cause sometimes I feel a little frozen. Like I don't know how to really create a new process because if I did, I might not be having this problem in the first place. Right. So how do you, how do you overcome well, I, that? I think, well, one, come work with me. <laughs> yes, there is that. <laughs> I admit that I'm odd. What I'm, this is, a, uh, I'm going to say unique. We'll, we'll no, be a little. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Like I said, I, I, I don't think I've ever met someone before who is a writer and a process person. Like, I really just don't know that they exist. Like to the extent that I think you exist. <laughs> I like, I like being me. Um, <laughs> I think you know, as I think about that problem, like a project manager, I think I would break it down. This is what I tell writers to do all the time. I would not say I have to resolve my whole, my whole process. I would say, what is my biggest block right now? And I, I teach a way for writers to handle blocks. So they're handling them like a project manager instead of a writer, because even blocks have a whole lot of weird energy around it for writers like you shouldn't be blocked if you're blocked you're kind of being lazy or don't want it enough and and again it starts to get curious and say why am I blocked right now really what is the problem and for some writers that could just be they have a very busy life that can't change right away you know they may have job commitments family commitments and it may be that they're just putting too high expectations on themselves. Maybe some of their writers in their, in their critique group are able to write three hours a day. And this particular writer is going to be lucky to get two solid hours in a week. Yeah. If they're trying to create a writing schedule and a writing um, goals that would be hard for someone with three hours a day to write, that's probably causing some blocks. And it's, it's getting clear on your time, your capacity, and figuring one thing out at a time. And this really is a different tract of learning, you know, to think about writers spend a lot of time working on craft. And this is a, this is a different set of learning. So give yourself some grace. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you and I had a conversation a while back that we definitely should have recorded when we were planning this episode that was all about power keeping, which you mentioned a couple times here. Um, and we talked about it in the context of a publishing deadline, but I presume that you apply it to many different situations. So talk about how a writer can deploy power keeping in different seasons of their work. Yeah. So that power keeping is one half of a model that I created and I've written about and use a lot in my teachings with Good Jelly. And there's power keeping mode 
and there's power leaking mode. And a lot of times I see writers power leaking. And a clue that you're power leaking is anytime you're frustrated, you're feeling kind of like, ah, this, is, this isn't going well, or just kind of aggravated, there's usually probably some boundary issues involved as well. But when you, what has become a habit for the writers who work with me is when they're confronted with a situation, they ask themselves, What's the power keeping thing to do here? What keeps me in, not me trying to force it through, not me trying to force someone else's writer's style or work process on myself, but really what would be the way for me to navigate this? Yeah, I love that. And I think we, when we initially talked about it, it was, um, we were even talking about a deadline and, you know, how to keep your own power around a publishing deadline, which was interesting because yeah. I had never thought of it that way. I think writers often go through life feeling very, um, as you probably know, right? Like grateful that we have a publishing contract yeah. and which is true. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to ruin that and we want to make our deadlines and, but you know, how do we, but if we also know that, you know, for example, our editor might not get to the book for a month, but we still have to turn it in at a certain time. How do we make all this kind of work for ourselves? Right. And I think that is, as a project manager, I, my job is to deal with reality. And the reality is there's a lot, a lot not in control, that we're not in control of on the writing adventure. And that can feel so destabilizing. Yeah. And I, I want to acknowledge that because that, not acknowledging that then creates this kind of frozenness, which is that power leaking versus returning to ourselves and saying, okay, in this situation, what would keep me calm? What would keep me moving forward? And, and then it's a skill of, you know, communication skills come in. Like there are, there are different ways you can communicate with an agent or editor that are going to be, more in power versus desperation energy or angry energy or, and, and, and the, I want to be really clear though, things are out of control. I wouldn't say that you can be in control. I think that's an illusion too. So what another part of the language that I use is how can we take charge of the situation? Taking charge is power keeping, trying to control it, getting really tight, which I think a lot of people, that's how people feel about processes. It's like this tension, mm. it's this forcing, it's this, there's no breathing room, all the spontaneity is gone. Like that, I, I'm assuming is the bias of the writer who, who you mentioned earlier was saying about process. And so I think, yeah, I think we have to, that's why I made that model is because so much is out of control. And you do feel this like, oh, please, please pick me please pick me, you know, please like I, it. Yeah. And then you don't want to mess it up after you get picked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. For sure. That's so interesting. All right. So you knew I was going to bring this up because we've had some debates about this before. Are you ready? Let's talk about the inner I'm critic. Right. <laughs> All writers have one. And most of us are taught to literally bully ours to sit down and, and shut up. <laughs> but you have a different thought on how to manage your inner, inner critic. So tell us about that. So this fully falls into the third part of my strategic blueprint for the writing adventure and the kinder mind, because 
your inner critic is a part of you. And my position, based on studies I've done with two psychologists, if so, if you're familiar with voice dialogue, Helen Sidra Stone, or even inner family systems with Richard Schwartz, this idea that we all have multiple selves. And writers usually get that because we all talk about our inner critics. So it's not, so they're like, you know, like yeah, I get it. Selves, okay. And we all have many but, voices in our head too. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And those to me are just cells or parts, depending on which model you're using. And, and in, in this case, it's a part of you. So I, don't like the idea of thinking I have to kill a part of myself or, and, and so it goes back to being curious. And my position is that the inner critic is actually trying to help us. And with Hal and Sidra Stone's perspective is our inner critics are the, the, those cells are very young. And if we have trauma or even just a, you know, when we all grow up, like Brene Brown's research talks about how many of us have creative wounds and, and even just being in a culture where you're not seen, or maybe you live in a family where being a writer, you're supposed to be a doctor. So you get all this messaging about what's the right way to be. And this little part of you is trying to figure it out inside to be safe, to make people happy, to get the care you need. And then what happens is when you grow up, that part is still functioning in you. And they're like, I'm going to look out for Liz. If I'm Liz's inner critic, I'm looking out for Liz. And she can't do that. She can't do that. She can't do that. She can't do that. And I don't want Liz to get in trouble. I don't want her editor to get mad at her or her agent or her critique group part or whoever she's working with. So I'm going to make her do this. And even if, she, and she can't go out of these lines that I've set. Mm-hmm. And so to me, your inner critic is on your side. So we have to figure out how to interact with it differently. And the thing is, those parts are set very young. Is this making sense? No, that's really interesting because I am familiar with the internal family systems, but I never thought of my inner critic as one of those, you know, I was thinking like, oh, my five-year-old self or my 12-year-old self or whatever, but yeah. I never thought of my inner critic as like a specific part yeah. that is... I would say your inner critic is fed by those younger parts of you that maybe, you know, if, if you were doing work to kind of reset those and bring those more into balance, that, 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 the, that the inner critic is on our side and that we can, if you take that position and get curious of what does it need and why does it make sense, you may have those um, concerns in certain situations. So one of the tools I have at Good Jelly is a inner critic, a writerly inner critic intensity assessment. I have not figured out a great easy name for that thing yet, but (laughs) basically it asks a series of 20 questions like, uh, do you, do you feel, uh, nervous submitting work that ha- in a class? Do you avoid classes where you would have to share your work immediately? Do you feel uh, nervous giving feedback to other writers because you think you may be your feedback may be judged or you'll say it wrong? So it, it lists a set of 20 questions to help a writer get clearer on what are the kind of sensitivity points of their inner critic because you, I'm sure you've been with writers who, like, maybe you are get a little upset about something. They're like, oh, that's no problem for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. So 
but we all treat our inner critics as this big monolithic thing that we have to kill. <laughs> yes. A friend of mine actually told me she has a, a little um, dragon, like a little, I don't know if it's a stuffed animal or a figurine or something, but the dragon is her inner critic and she keeps it next to her desk and like, she'll, you know, turn it to the, to the back. So she doesn't, you know, yeah. the days that it's being very loud and, and, yeah. you know, just ways of managing it like that. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I also want to say for anyone who's listening, this is a big energy that all writers work with. So if something's working for you right now, then listening to this conversation you and I are having, that could be something you want to explore, but please don't let your inner critic start making how you're working with your inner critic wrong. Because that's <laughs> a whammy. So, you know, take this as an interesting possibility. And what I always say to writers is because of that, uh, sensitivity and awareness of maybe ways that you had to be in a certain way or perform in a certain way when you were younger. One, you know, taking time to think really what, what are my inner critics sensitivity points? So getting curious, but then also just realizing your inner critic and the, for you with the knowing Richard Schwartz's work, the parts of you that are feeding your inner critic, that they're really good at problem spotting. Yeah. They, it may be a little over intense compared to other people, but it's something that you, Liz, as a writer or another writer, that you have to pay attention to because your inner critic is raising its hand and saying, hey, this could be a danger zone for us. What your inner critic is not so good at is problem solving. And the move is to say, hey, instead of in, in my, the way I approach and, and what has worked for me, instead of saying, I'm just going to silence you, you say, hey, inner critic, I got it. I got you. I got your back. You want me to be alert in this situation. I got it. And now I have a whole lot of other skills that we can handle this in a way that we couldn't handle it before because it was all on you, but now you've got me and you can use your communication skills, your business skills, your, I don't know what skills, but, but each of us have so many parts of ourselves that are so competent and have so many skills that kind of get lost when we get in an inner critic flood. And if we can create a little separation and say, hey, you did your job already. You spotted the problem for me. Now I'm going to solve it. And then suddenly that opens up so many more options for us and how we respond to a situation. I, I love that. I, I, so much of this, I think, is just about being open to thinking about things differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and about process, about inner critic and, and, and thinking about it differently and thinking about it in a way that where you matter. Yeah. You as a writer matter, of course, in your own process, but for some reason that feels kind of revolutionary to say yeah. <laughs> because we're so focused on all this outside noise versus starting with from ourselves first. Yeah. I love that. I love this conversation. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. I get so tickled by this stuff. I think it's so, I feel so sad when I see writers stop that are so, 
they have such voice and have would be of such service to to other human beings by getting their words out their voice out and and so my part of the puzzle how i thought i could be of service to writers is to is is this process approach and mindset approach and project management approach and it may not sound sexy but man when your writing is getting done and you're feeling joy in your process in your output that feels pretty sexy to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I love it. I mean, there there have been very few times when I'm nearing a deadline that I have felt joy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Well, and, and, and what's interesting is I've, I I I'm not quite sure what to do with it all the time. But I have I've had writers say, "Okay, you're I've been blocked on things this particular thing for 20 years, for five years, for one year," and then people are you know, I have writers saying you know, they sound in charge of themselves, like they're setting their scope of work. So how much they're getting done. They're not just, here's a tip, decide how much you're going to get done. Don't say in every writing session, I'm just going to get as much done as I can. Mm. That's going to create stress. It's going to create this fraughtness and you can never get the boot, this, what I call a done boost which is, is this sense of a small win done and it, it moves you forward. So I have writers who are like, so they're like, yeah, it's not as much as, you know, the old pre-good jelly me thought I should be doing, but I'm getting more done consistently. And it's aligning, again, your capacity, looking at the rest of your life and then learning all these ways to just move your work forward. That yes, we'll be thinking about things in a different way than, than writers are given permission to think about. Good Jelly is about having permission to have the process that you rock and that rocks you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, that makes sense what you're saying about the done goals. Cause I like, for example, um, I started doing that when, you know, when I'm in kind of the first draft stage, like I'll decide I'm going to write between 500 or to a thousand words a day. And right. then if I do more than that, you know, it just feels even better. Cause I'm like, Oh, right. now all this is just cake. Cause I met my goal right. already. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes I use that to, you know, if I don't meet my goal the next day, I'm like, well, I wrote extra yesterday, <laughs> which is probably not the right way to do it. Yeah. And there, there, you could do an experiment, Liz, because every, everything with process for me is an experiment and that we're, we're seeing what works for a writer and also that you have different tools at different times, that you have not just one way to be motivated, but multiple ways because mm -hmm. your days are going to be different, your moods are going to be different, your your capacity is going to be different, but one of, oh my goodness. Now I lost my train of thought. You were talking about, oh, the, the, the 500 to hundred words a day and then going over. And then another part of you coming in saying, oh, you can slide the next day. <laughs> I get it. So you could do an experiment to say for a week, whatever feels a short enough time that you're, you're not feeling, it doesn't move into some forced thing, but in a playful way, say for a week, I'm tracking that word count so precisely. And when I hit a thousand, 
if it's in the middle of a sentence, it doesn't matter. I just stop mm-hmm. and put put it down and then get playful. And because some writer, you, maybe you'll discover leaving it at that half place. And then you can close and say my next few lines are this, like put some notes, but don't finish the sentence and be playful and just say a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, and see if that crispness of hitting that goal so specifically creates a little motivation boost. Mm -hmm. And if it does, does it mean you have to do that every time? No, (laughs) it just means you have another tool that if you're stuck or if you feel you're being a little slidey, slidey with yourself, you can say, okay, I can get a little crisp with that deadline and that will get me back into steady progress where I can write a little extra and I'm not going to be sliding the next day. Mm. I like that. All right, I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to try it and let you know. <laughs> All right, I want to go into my creativity booster series. These are like rapid fire questions. So, all right, so how or when, or either one or both, did you know you were going to be a writer? I think from as long as I can remember. Uh, the big decision came when I was leaving the corporate world. I I decided to quit my day job. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I really want to write. And I, I talked to a writer friend of mine and I said, well, I could write nonfiction or I could write fiction. And at the time he said, well, fiction would be more fun. So I started with that. And obviously good jelly is nonfiction, but yeah, that was a uh, probably about 20 years ago. Awesome. What's your favorite book on writing? Right now, that panelist who um, was dissing process would not be, would be saying <laughs> I was killing all my spontaneity because the book that is, how I, the, the thing is, I am like, I have spontaneity in spades. <laughs> so um, I realized that some process would help me and I'm really uh, getting a lot of value out of Truby's Anatomy of Story. The book is Anatomy of Story. Ah, okay, nice. Um, who's your favorite author of all time? When I saw you were going to ask me this question, I totally went into power leaking mode. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how do I, I like, pick oh, just God. one? <laughs> uh, yes, how do I, and then I thought, I don't really have a favorite, but I, I thought of two books from my childhood that really impacted me. And and one I had to look up a few minutes ago because it just came to my, it just, I thought of it today, but the first one is a book called house of house of stairs Mm -hmm. by William Slater. And it's basically a book where these teenage kids are put in this government experiment where it's this huge room that you can't see the ends of that's all stairs and platforms. And Mm -hmm. it seems interesting. Like, we all seem to be in a big behavioral experiment with social media and stuff. So yes. And I just always remembered that book and another one, it's a little bit of a rainy day here in Boston. And I went out to walk my dog before I got on this podcast with you. And I was wearing yellow rain boots and there was, there's a book by Beverly Cleary called uh, the luckiest girl. I could not remember the name of the book. I had to look that up just before we got on. And this young woman, a teenager in the story, really wants actually a yellow slicker, that all the cool kids are wearing yellow rain slickers. 
And her mom gets her this pink one with a velveteen collar. And <laughs> I just always so identified with like want that wanting that yellow slicker. And so I know that's why I have yellow rain boots. <laughs> but it's like, you're supposed to have yellow on to be cool when it rains. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I, th- I, I think what I love about being a kid lit author is that i I suspect all writers have books like that and stories like that, that, you know, from childhood that you still think about and probably were some inspiration for becoming a writer. Totally. Curious George was mine. And, you know, it's fitting because I ended up as a reporter and, you know, always asking questions. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. What's one no fail way to get you out of a writing slump? Okay. I, I suspect you all are not going to like my answer. So I came up with three. The first, there's only one no fail way in in my opinion to get out of writing slump, and that's time. Mm. That if if you want to be a writer, then you have to trust that you will write again. So no fail way is time. But I also think getting curious, like so what I mentioned earlier about blocks, that if you get curious about what your block is, then you will find the right path through your slump. Rather than trying to it's put the wrong medicine, you know, taking an aspirin when your leg is bleeding. You know, you have to get curious and find why are you really blocked. And then the most processy thing I can tell you is to go really small. So if you're if if you just want to kind of crawl out of a slump in a really say, I'm gonna to start today with one sentence. And I'm going to go one sentence for five days. And when you hit that one sentence, I don't care if it's a noun, verb, period. Then you get up and you celebrate yourself Mm. and you give yourself that done boost. And then you do it again and you do it again. And at some point, your writerly joy will kick in, your writerly determination, and you will be writing again. So again, this is so fascinating. Now I'm like going off on another tangent, but this is so fascinating because, you know, I, I, I hesitate to speak for all writers, but I, or for like the majority of the writers that I spend a lot of time with, but I think a lot of us have always heard the, if you're stuck, you just write, write your way through it. Just keep, just keep going, (laughs) which puts a lot more pressure on, right? Because it's like, okay, but I can't. (laughs) That is a valid approach, but your question was no fail way. And I think a lot of writers would raise their hand and say that failed for me. Yeah. That that approach failed for me. Yeah. And so I really, I really, and that's why my first answer was time that even as a process improvement consultant. And I also think that messaging about just write through it, just write through it is one of the reasons why I started Good Jelly, because again, that's like, for every writer, the solution is only right through all the time. And I think that's why people, even if they can't necessarily articulate, get frustrated with process because they're just process like that is dumped on them. And they get confused because they're probably a totally productive person in other environments. But for some reason, this order right through it is not working for them. So, yeah, I, I'm... Kindness helps. 
kindness will help. I was just going to say the one thing that I've taken really, I'm, I'm summing for me, I'm summing this all up in, in, you know, one thought, um, and it's be, be kinder to yourself. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people fear that somehow being kinder to themselves is going to be like, they're suddenly never going to write again. They're going to become a couch potato. They're never going to, you know, it's just all going to go downhill. But, you know, my thought is if, if kindness were as easy as people seem, you know, just brush it off, all the cool kids would be doing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's, that is one piece of the puzzle. I teach process, I teach power, and I teach kindness. But yes, often it's the kind of thing that kind of startles people first. Yeah. All right, I've got one more question for you. What's the best piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? Simplify and humanize. And that comes from my writing mentor, Patty Gouch. Oh, I love that. Well, this is amazing. I'm so happy you were here with me. So tell everyone where they can find you, your website, your socials, all the places. So I think we'll just give one place to go to and there you can get the, I have an audio lesson since we talked about blocks on how to handle blocks like a project manager. So if you go to goodjelly.com forward slash unlock, you'll get the unlock your blocks audio lesson. And then you'll also get on Every Monday, you will get a dollop of good jelly in your inbox and a link to my weekly blog. Awesome. And I'll put this in the show notes with your your socials as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And before we finish, we'll do a good jelly end. Happy day, happy writing, and happy jamming. You've got this. I love it. You've got this, everyone. We've all got this. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks, Liz. So, did you all love that as much as I did? I mean, she's super cool, right? I just love her. I love the lessons she teaches. I love getting permission to be kind to myself. And I love feeling like my unique process is perfect for me. I hope you all took that away too. I'd love to hear what resonated most with you all in this episode. So let me know over on Instagram. You'll find that along with all Christine's info in the show notes. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed it. As a new pod, it would really mean the world to me to get this information into the ears of anyone who needs it. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.